welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. Today we got a little bit of an intro to our actual podcast. We want to kind of get a little setup on who we were talking to, where we were talking to that person, and why it sounds like it is. Yes. Uh, as you know, your host, Richard Geiger, Ooh. and your other host, Ken Seymour, we tend to like to be in a very controlled environment where there is not going to be a, a large degree of outside interference and noise to potentially pollute our conversations that are so important. Just the occasional, you know, train, <laughs> maybe water some, running, water running, <laughs> yeah. some rain, depending, you know. It's not too bad, usually. Yes. But in our interview of the famous or infamous Billy Mitchell that you'll be hearing, we were in a slightly different environment. Uh, an interrogation chamber. Yes, yes. I, I believe I saw at least three bodies in bags uh, in the corner, uh, right next to the buckets and bricks that, that were kind of strewn about. But we were in the basement of the Level Up Lounge near Fountain Square in Indianapolis. Yes. So uh, we originally went to meet at the Irving Theater. Uh, they're doing a production there uh, this past weekend. Arcade Fire, Redemption of Billy Mitchell. And that's where the folks were going to gather and kind of set up. And we met there initially. And that space wasn't going to work out for us. Um, Eventually, we made our way to the Level Up Lounge. Cool little place. Very noisy. Not the best for doing a one-on-one conversation. Absolutely. The, The basement was better. Yes. Although it did occasionally sound like people were going to, uh, I don't know, fall through the ceiling and land Mm. on us. Yes, or like you were hiding from a murderer and they had come in your vicinity, not yet found you. Yeah, so a lot of video game noises, a lot of foot traffic. I believe the audio should be more than sufficient. We tried to clean it up as best as we could, which is to say we didn't touch it at all and just hoped for the best. Cross our fingers. Absolutely. But we did listen, so you should be be pretty good. One other note we kind of wanted to let you know about is our interview style for this particular interview because we know Billy Mitchell is an individual that can elicit certain reactions from different people uh, for good or ill. Mm -hmm. Uh, We try to maintain a very neutral stance in talking to him. Uh, So our attempt is to kind of give you the flavor of who Billy Mitchell is, not making judgments or anything from one side or the other, uh, keeping it just, uh, who Billy Mitchell is in Billy Mitchell's eyes. Yes. And Billy Mitchell doesn't do very many, very many, if any, interviews, as he, as you'll hear, he told us that. Uh, but what you're getting out of this interview, I think, is a lot of information that you probably haven't heard about this gentleman before. So that's kind of the whole point. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. And on to the interview. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell, for agreeing to come on the air with us and regale us with a few stories here and there about your history and your and your expertise with classic video games. And again, I just thank you very much for talking to us. Well, like you said, I don't normally do these things. And um, I guess sometimes you do things for friends, and I guess you have the right friends. <laughs> well, and, we uh, appreciate it. Yeah, so I guess very much so. I guess it says something about your character. If you have a good history, well, it paid off today. Very good, yes. I guess that's a backhanded compliment. Well, you know, I've had worse. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, we have a mix of listeners from all over the gamut, and some will be very familiar with you and some may not. Uh, for those that are not, you are well-known uh, among the gaming community, have held multiple high scores on classic video games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., uh, have been in a variety of magazines and uh, television, movies. Um, so what brings you to town today? Well, as I look through the different accolades of the fun I've had, um, I think probably that I bring a history or an insight, uh, certainly an experience that it would be hard to name another gamer who has. I go all the way back to 1982, as you say, the very first gathering of competitive gamers, which was in November 1982 when we were featured in Life Magazine. Had, for somehow, for some reason, um, who knows why, I became obsessed with the idea that if there was competition, I had to be there. Almost, and I say almost without failure, anything that happened in the coin-op world, mm -hmm. if it happened, I was there. Was I lucky? Yes, I was lucky. But you can't get lucky if you're not there. My, the line I learned was, you have to be there when the wheel goes round. You can't get lucky and win if you're not there. So the good fortune I had, and I'm the first person to say that I've had good fortune. Wow, have I had good fortune. Um, a lot of it was simply because I was there. Um, and yes, I did work hard. Yes, I did achieve. Yes, I did score. Um, and when we brought all these things together, each time somebody chose to put something together, whether it was something like a musical, whether it was something like a movie, a show, um, if it was something short like on MTV, um, I was always in the crossroads. And so when the time came that um, Casey called me, um, first of all, she couldn't get a hold of me because I'm not an easy guy to reach social media-wise. If you see things that you think belong to me social media-wise, odds are you're wrong. Up until very recently, I didn't have anything. Um, someone would say, oh, I, I friended you on Facebook. I'll say, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did, Bill. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you either. I don't have a Facebook. <laughs> and there were some that were nice and even flattering. And I just shrugged my shoulders. And when she couldn't track me down that way, she knew an event I would be at, which was the Kong Off, and she called my partner, who's much easier to reach, named Richie, and he answered the phone, he goes, this girl wants to talk to you about a musical. And then I'm in the middle of the Kong Off. And my words were, I took the phone and I said, hi, this is Billy, you talk, I'll listen. And she gave her spiel, and I listened for about a minute, a little less, and I said, okay, here's a guy you got to call. Call him, see what comes together, see if dates don't conflict, and we'll see what happens. And that's almost the only conversation I had with her when I arrived at that first musical. Um, and I came here, and I thought, wow, they've worked hard at this. The insight they had, um, I bring certain knowledge, certain experience, certain secrets that you don't even read about on the internet that are not known 
And as I spoke to her about some of those, she knew them. And I thought, wow, I did. I said, man, you've done your research. And she says, yes. And I was totally flabbergasted as I watched the rehearsal of how much she knew. Um, some of it fun, some of it deep secrets of people. And um, I really enjoyed watching it. But being that I, my real world is a world of business and not the fun that we're having here, I, you know, I noticed the support she had. I noticed the people she had. Um, I noticed the people that were, went out of their way for her, people who were giving of their time and resources. And I honestly thought, wow, she does have a chance here. She does have an opportunity. I mean, it takes time and money and effort. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have the right people supporting you, which again, I go back as I was picking on you guys, um, you guys did things right in the past, which is why you have the friends and the circle you have, so that when they said to me, gee, these are nice guys, we do a podcast, I said, okay, sure. That's what got you the podcast was the character that you've had to this point. So that's my compliment to you. Well, but by that same token, that's what she had, and I thought, wow, she might not crash and burn because most ideas crash and burn because they're too difficult. And sure enough, she got together and she put a second show together. And it's, yes, the show is historical. Yes, it's funny. Yes, it's silly. Yes, it's accurate and yes, it's inaccurate. And if, if you don't just, if you sit there and laugh at every person there and what happens to them on stage, and you don't sit there and laugh at what happens to you on stage, you're just kind of a hard-nosed idiot. And so I found very little that I could be critical of. Um, she asked me questions and I gave her straight answers and many of them from the first time she incorporated into the second show because we've gone from one hour to two and a half hours. And uh, I hope it doesn't go any longer. <laughs> but I hope that I and others can continue to give her more and more information that helps her make a better and better show because um, the show's not on Broadway. But I, I hope it keeps heading in the right direction. And without lying to you, coming here, the other people that are supporting, other players, um, people that I see at other events, that maybe they're just not as well known as me, it's really cool to go to an event, to have fun with people that are friends that you share a passion with, you share a hobby, you share something that came from your youth, you relive your youth, you still have fun as you did when you were a kid. I mean, that's priceless. It truly is. You can do that or you can sit on social media and bitch. Or you can sit in front of the TV with a remote control and deteriorate. So, yeah. So, the... I'm not good at short answers. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to say, we're kind of counting on that. Yeah. You, can, you can always edit down if you want. Well, you know, it's, it's mainly just to cover up our inadequacies and in asking the questions in the first place. It's, it's a lot easier. Well, I was true. Warned. I was warned about that. <laughs> so, the, so she already had the idea for the play to begin with and consulted with you to kind of fill out some of the areas that were maybe uh, not, not uh, either not uh, hitting the way that we wanted to. How close to how close to real is is the play? Because a lot of times you'll see based on real life and yeah, based on kind of this much of real life, but not the whole amount. Is it is it is it more about 
basing it on the feel of what actually happened or basing it on the actuality? Well, I think if it's based on real life, it's not very accurate. Um, regardless if you saw it in a movie, really, come on. <laughs> you, you think I pick up the phone at home and say world record headquarters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a hint. When we made the movie, we brought a phone in because I don't have a home phone. So you can find tremendous inaccuracies. Certainly. But a lot of fun because of things like that. If you want to talk about the passion or the drive and everything it took in order to gain those achievements, well, of course it's accurate. If you want to talk about the emotions that other people had, both supportive or antagonistic with you, yes, that is real. Um, you know, are they um, dramatized to be funny? Yes, they are. Um, I'm very open to it. I can very much laugh with it. I'm actually a little concerned, that, a little, that other people that I know who were portrayed in the movie may not have the same sense of humor I do. Um, there's one guy that I've even prepped him for that because he's just a little more narrow-minded than me. And um, I, I, I truly don't get offended by it, but without lying to you, I'm not that sensitive. Um, again, other people I know that are sensitive, but once again, if you're gonna sit there and laugh at the things that involve other people, and you can't laugh at yourself, you have your own internal problem. Um, there's, very, there's very little that offends me in real life, so there's really nothing that offends me you know, in, in the musical. So it sounds like it's accurate in the important ways. In the important, yes. Yes. And, uh, and well worth a, a view. So this is probably your well, I don't want to assume here. Uh, this is the first uh, interaction with this sort of a theatrical event that, that you've had, ha uh, not counting you know, the King of Kong. Why do you assume that? Uh, because it's easier to assume than to actually look into it. So, okay. <laughs> Man, that's accurate. I mean, that's honesty. And my disclaimer is you and I had a strong conversation about today's journalism. Yeah. Um, so you very much qualified yourself with that question. Um, the truth is, in the world of musicals or plays, uh, this is my second one. The other one was, um, my God, I'm embarrassed to say this. I don't want the two girls to hear me say this, but they're going to hear it. I, there was another musical that two lovely girls put together. They were awesome. And I heard about it. I didn't watch it, but I, I mean, I saw a little part. And um, my wife watched it, and she found humor in it. And, oh, man, she doesn't find a lot of humor. And she thought it was funny, and she's in the movie, and she's ostracized. And she found humor in it. So I thought it was safe. I at that point, I didn't care if it was good. It didn't cause a fight for me. And so I heard about it, and then I picked up the phone, and I called these two ladies, and I left a message that they may not have believed when they heard the message. Then the phone call came back to me, and it was me, and God bless them, you would have thought that they were talking to Santa Claus as a little kid. And it was awesome. And they were telling me about their experience and how they put it together. They were talking about 
little bit of concerns they had with the movie people from King of Kong. And I said, you don't worry about them. I'll take care of that. I just thanked them and wished them good luck and, you know, told them I hoped to meet them one day. And then one day a friend of mine, boy, I wonder which musical I'm promoting here. I'm running the other direction. But <laughs> a friend of mine asked me to come to his party and he sent me a ticket. And I go, well, how can I say no? He sent me a ticket. So I went to there and he goes, oh, I got somebody who... Um, I want you to do an interview with, just like we're doing here. And I said, okay, and I did it. And then he goes, oh, one more. And I got in a car with his brother, and he drove me somewhere. And we drove to a playhouse, and nobody knew I was coming, including me, including the girls. Um, the girl who worked for my friend and the director of the play knew. Those were the only two. And I walk in and I peek and I can see them on stage. I go, oh my, I, yeah, I know this. And I look and I go, this is it? And they go, yeah. I go, wow. I go, oh, yeah, that's me. And I go, that doesn't look like my wife. And the director goes, oh, no, that's not supposed to be your wife. That's supposed to be Weeby. I go, oh, damn good thing. <laughs> and, so, and so he goes, oh, there's only a few minutes left. And so there's a few minutes left. And I go, and suddenly they go, okay, go, go, go. I got to go out on stage. Go what? What do you want me to do? I mean, I was dressed like you would expect, but I just had to go out on stage in my first interaction with a musical. Um, what I knew or have seen in my life was the 10 minutes I saw them doing it, but I just sort of went out there and winged it, and they were shocked to see me, and um, there were some gifts for them that had to do with me, and um, I just sort of like said whatever came to my mind, and it went over awesome and incredible. And the girls were awesome. And um, so I had a good attitude about musicals or plays because of that. So that did set the stage for when Casey called me. And um, I have such a good attitude now. I'm, I'm ready for the next one. If we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens after this. Well, I've got, I've got high hopes. I know I'm kind of excited at, uh, right. at the uh, concept. And it's, it's interesting because I haven't, I didn't see that one just because I don't watch anything I'm in. Um, I haven't seen any of the movies that I've been in. Um, I don't really read interviews. I mean, I live the things and I, if I go back to relive them, you might find it hard to believe that I'm kind of into detail and I can be a little anal about things. And I, I would have less fun because I'd say, why did they do it that way? I said that, but I said it after this and they cut that out. And I would just, I wouldn't have as much fun. Kind of understandable. Well, one of the things you were mentioning before kind of gave me an idea for a question. When, when you started with all those, like the the games, and like you said, you were on the cover of, of uh, Video the Life. Video games, you mean? Yeah, yeah, on uh, Life magazine, uh, on the magazines. How... Like, so, so today, if you buy a game console, you have a PC, you can sit at home and you can play 8, 10, 12 hours on these things. So how did you kind of go about getting your practice in all that time when usually at that point in time, it was something you had to go somewhere and just hang out at that place for a long, long time? Like, how did you approach building up all that practice when you were younger like that? Okay, so again, with the consoles I buy today, because I can practice any time, just sitting on the couch or in the bed. Mm -hmm. See, we're gonna have fun with this question because we're gonna go back to what we talked about before we turn the microphone on. 
Um, yeah. In my home, I don't have a home system. I don't have an Xbox. I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have one. I've never had one. I don't have any video games, arcade games, or anything. Zero. I have a home equally or more normal than your house. Now, my disclaimer is, recently my son was home, and he went... He just went over my friend's arcade and just took two games because he wanted us to start streaming. But with that exception, which recently happened, I don't have any. Um, I don't have any home games because I'm an arcade guy and you want me to play that which is different, that which is new, that which doesn't have the same feel as the original experience because back then, you had to get up out of the seat that you're in. You had to drive usually. You had to go to the arcade. You had to spend money each game. And when you're out of money, you drove home. Or when the place closed, you drove home. There's a cutoff point. Um, you interacted with people. You met people. You created personal friendships. Um, personal adversaries, maybe. Um, online, at least when home games began, all that was lost. Now some of that's come back in the fact that you play online, you don't actually meet the people, but you become acquainted with them. Um, I don't want to say that's bad, I just want to say that it's different. Um, I believe when you simply played at home and you could not connect with people, as far as the arcade experience, that was bad. And I mean bad. Um, but I like the idea that when I talk to people, when they see a stream, when you do something, when they watch you, when they, when they play, when they learn from you, that's like really cool. It's like you're giving somebody something. And, but it's also cool when they understand when you learn that back in the day, it's what we call you learned it in the raw. There was no help. And don't kid yourself, there was never a magazine article or a book that ever helped even a bit. It talked about, it was maybe fun reading. It never taught you anything about being good. And so, so much of that was lost. And now you can see any strategy, anything you want. I can see things that I created online and I can see them and I can see you get credit for it because you're the one that put it up. No, I did that. I did that back in, you know, 1986. Yeah. And I shared it with some friends and other people did it. And who was the one that put it up online? Um, so it was, a, how did you get so good back then? It was a ridiculous sacrifice. Um, I look back on the choices I made, some of which were good and some weren't. Um, I was a pitcher in baseball and I was good. How good was I? How far could I have gone? Further than I went. Um, I made a different choice. Uh, I was fast. I mean, I, I knew how to run. My dad was, was an absolute track star. Um, my son, they called him White Lightning. So I'm in the middle of the two. Something could have happened there. I wish I had many lives to live all the different possible channels, but I didn't. And uh, it was constant, constant trips and dedication to what it is you chose as your passion to get good at. And it wasn't any different than Michael Jordan, who stood on the free throw line 
and chose to shoot 1,000 free shots, free throws, in one day, put the ball down and come back and do it the next day. And everybody else he knew was doing something else. I have such a respect for the people that exceed to that level um, more than I ever did. You know, you can, I said that about Michael Jackson. Um, that's a sport. Um, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. But speaking of Michael Jackson, what he did in the pop world, what he did, uh, he did better than anyone else in the world. And it wasn't because it was handed to him. So it delayed gratification teaches you respect. Well, I know, at least on, on my side, there, there was always a certain visceral difference between, between the gaming systems. I got a different, I was never anywhere near the level of what you've done in the arcades, but the one time I was able to beat uh, a Double Dragon on a single quarter, the, the feeling of uh, actual achievement on that, because nobody, like you're saying, nobody helps you. That was something special, something different. Well, it's, that's a, an example of the evolution, and here's what I mean. When we started in the early 80s, you put a quarter in, you played a game, you got where you got, and the game was over. <clears throat> we want to play to the highest levels of Pac-Man because we got to try some different things. You go through all the trouble all the time, sometimes hours, you get to a certain level, it doesn't work, <clears throat> you get to go again. Well, that happened up until about, definitely not any later than 1987. Then, as you're saying, you play Double Dragon, you play, game ends, put another quarter and continue, put another quarter and continue. I look up and I see your high score when I come in. I say, oh wow, how much did it cost you? It had begun to change or evolve. Um, and further evolutions went on. And you have to, you don't have a choice, but you have to go along with change. Um, it's kind of cool that being a part of that which began so early, which led to change. But in the world now of world records, now there's the speedrun community. Um, they have to be given tremendous respect because that's the next evolution of what's happened and it should be. It's just you look back and you have pride on the fact that your part in the speed world is actually what you gave prior to the speed world, which gave birth to the speed world. Speed running, I should say. Um, so we in my spectrum don't speak often enough of them or show them enough respect, and they certainly deserve it. So I guess I'm giving that right here. Really pretty impressive to see some of the things that you can, that you can, the, the analysis that right. goes into it is, is yes, pretty right. fantastic. Um, going back just a little bit, kind of into the history. Um, so your, your, am I, am I remembering this correctly? Your family had a restaurant that you took over. Uh, is that accurate? Uh, the restaurant is, Mom and Dad, mm -hmm. brother, sister, sister, me, sister. So there's five kids. There were three of us that were very active in, um, and multiple units too. Um, two that were not. And sometimes in a family business, everything runs smooth and just continues and goes and goes. And sometimes it doesn't. And then sometimes people get complacent and say. Do we really want to do this much? Do we want to work that hard? Or are we kind of blessed with what we have here? And should we keep it to a smaller level? Um, 
and to be honest, that's what happened. Um, most of my time is spent in the world of hot sauce because I described what it is that, in, that is the restaurant business. The hot sauce, that's me and me alone. The only boss I have is my wife. And, uh, it's a good boss to have. Yeah. yeah, and so that's where most of my time is spent. And that has given me the good fortune that I've had there is freed up my time to be able to do much of what I do, including sit right here. So, so did you formulate the hot sauce? Are you kind of behind the recipe, or are you more behind the brand and making the business well, work? Well, it goes back to the 1980s, a very elderly guy who was the president of a hot sauce company because we just, the main ingredient in our to the wings in our restaurant, which was the main item, it just, it wasn't good enough. And so finally this guy said, he said, work with me, and he said, and I'll teach you how to make a better hot sauce than anyone on the market. So the answer was yes. And he eventually passed away and said bye in the 90s. And it was at that point where it was as much help and guidance as I had, because as I said, like with the play that's going on, like with Papa John's or I'm just thinking of businesses, without support, without help, without guidance, without insight, without wisdom, good luck. Well, I had that wisdom from them, but it was in the 90s, I, I thought, man, I really got to know this even better than I do. So that's when I began actually messing with and being ridiculously precise in detail. As I say, I'm a detail guy with the formula. And so the formula that's there now was pressed into place, so to speak, hardcore in the 90s. And um, it hasn't changed since. And since that original formulation, other formulations, flavors, types of peppers have come. And every one of them are based off the original one. It's just a change in peppers and such. And uh, there was no chance that I could ever go up against major people in the world and outprice them. It just wasn't going to happen. I just, if something was a $10 item and I chose to sell it for a dollar, somebody somewhere would come along and sell it for 98 cents. It was just going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I realized I would never be able to outprice, outlast people with money. But I knew I could outhustle them and I knew I could outthink them. And so that's why it was a push towards equality. Um, when you walk into um, a store, okay, let's say, I'll make it an easy, when you walk into a meat section, um, nobody walks in there and says, gee, where's the cheapest meat? I mean, you know you're going to spend money on what it is you like. Um, if you look at barbecue sauce in the world, the one that's the very least expensive would have tremendous volume. And the one that's the very best would have tremendous volume. All the ones in the middle struggle. Gee, we're not that good, but we're kind of cheap. That doesn't work. Gee, we're, gee, you're really gonna like our taste. Not as much as this one, but you're gonna like our taste. And uh, it, we don't taste as good as them, but we're about the same price. It, that's not gonna work. So I always had to take a different avenue. And so, yeah, my, my hand is in every one of those since the 90s, but before that I had guidance. And I was taught a lot, a lot. And probably, I began with that older gentleman. It was 1986, 
And as we say, the close of the golden age of video games was coming upon us. And although maybe I wanted to play video games and do nothing else, uh, I couldn't. And I had to take the passion and the drive that I had learned from video games, I had to channel it in a particular direction. Our restaurants, our main item, and what it is we do. And I was just obsessed with the idea that when it came to chicken wings, when it came to hot sauce, that I would do what I knew how to do better than anyone in the world, that I would become obsessed with it, that I would learn and work and develop and just out hustle anybody. Yeah, that actually comes from video games, I think. Love me some hot sauce. <laughs> is, so so you, the, the sauce is, if I, can you tell me about just the, the, the main, I, I feel like it's just a few main ingredients for most sauces. Well, like in this area, you'd probably be familiar with Frank's. Mm -hmm. Okay, Frank's is a good sauce. And if I didn't use my own, I would use Frank's. So being that they were the industry leader, at least in the kitchen, not on the table, but in the kitchen, um, Again, how would I outmatch them? Well, the idea was to simply create, because you're correct, they are the same ingredients, there's only four ingredients. And it's kind of like the old ketchup commercial. You know, theoretically, Heinz has more, you know, tomato than Hunt's or Del Monte's has more tomato. It's better ketchup, a thicker ketchup. In today's world, uh, the world seems to demand that you have less salt. So you put less salt, you put less vinegar and more mash in a hot sauce. So what had to be done, I could see very clearly. Um, then you had to do it and you had to be slightly less than them in price. But I don't want to say that was the easy part, but that was the easy part. <laughs> then you had to go out and hustle and you had to make accounts and relationships and such. You gotta, well, I imagine you got to source the, the cayennes from a specific place so you can get a specific variety of them. You actually um, you contract fields. So those fields are contracted, and they're contracted to grow you the mass you need from year to year. And those are renewed each year. Yeah, it's actually a, like a commodity business. Again, uh, the people you align yourself with who give you support are, are priceless. The, the people in Louisiana that I'm aligned with, that I've known since, you know, back in school, yeah, they're priceless. I recently went to see, the, see them because um, the elderly gentleman, not the one who passed that helped me, but the one that I've been with since well, way back then also, he's 80 years old. He's a very healthy 80, but he's 80. Um, his wife is a similar age. and not so healthy and um, of course their son is the same age as me we've known each other and I just I went there and I showed him and spoke of my three kids and where each one is today and they're either in college or graduated and I told him I said without their support my kids wouldn't be there not a chance none zero and I wanted them to know that and more than that I wanted them to know that I recognize that. Um, they extended themselves to me, I mean, just like they would their own family. And I know they didn't do that for many people. I mean, I know it. You know, when you, when you get a truckload of sauce and it's um, $20,000,
and you're supposed to pay that within 30 days and it's been 45 days and you haven't paid it yet, nobody ships it to you again. And they would ship it to me. And again, that's something you would do. Yeah, sure, you do it for your sister. You do it for your family. You don't do that for a stranger. And they treated me like family and I, again, my kids are where they are. They've had the good fortune they've had and as have I because of them people like them and especially them and I I just thought like geez I hope they're not listening but geez they're old <laughs> and a day's gonna come where I get that phone call and I wanted to express my gratitude before that phone call and they were they were tickled they they were shocked they had no idea why I was going to see him I think they thought I was going there to start a fight because <laughs> sometimes in business you fight and I mean we fought and in the end we found common ground but that wasn't it, and um, they were completely flattered. They were, and that was good. It well, sort of, I don't know, it sort of closes the chapter. That would definitely be on my bucket list, and I, I got it done. So. Those connections are, are super important, uh, the family especially, and the friends that are like family. Now, you mentioned uh, mentioned uh, that you grew up with the son that made me think of. Your, your son is involved with your business to a certain extent, too. How does it feel to kind of have that that relationship not only be with the family but also be involved with the business and be able to kind of work on things together? Well, as far as um, the business, meaning like the hot sauce business, uh, his only involvement is he eats it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I should have yeah, because I because I didn't want him that, but he um, he absolutely controls everything that I do um, in the world of gaming as far as streaming and. Twitch and social media and such um, a few months ago several months ago he said dad I'm going to set up a um, I'm going to uh, get a couple games from Rob and I go huh and he says yeah he says and I'm going to set up a Twitch here and we're going to stream and I go stream yeah he goes stream and we'll have a following and we'll have a Twitch partnership I said I ain't doing that he says, yeah 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 we are and he's old enough now you'll see him I can't push him around, I can't bully him. <laughs> so he said, yo, well, I'm doing it. Well, I ain't doing it. I mean, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I just, there's no more honest answer than I just flat out didn't want to do it, period, end of paragraph. And um, he went and set it all up and did it anyway. And he's playing and, but he's like, he, it was in the summer. So he's home. And I mean, the time that he's home is priceless because he doesn't get much time and he doesn't get the normal time off that a, a student gets. So, well, he's doing it, so, okay, yeah, I did it with him because it's father and son time. I mean, it's priceless. You know, he's there, he's always wanting to run off and be with his friends or whatever, and there he is. I mean, I couldn't pass that up, so, okay, we were doing it, and so we were playing, and, yeah, it was kind of fun, it was cool, and then the people that I've met around the country are coming into the stream and saying hi and asking what's going on, and so then there's conversation amongst friends, and then, you know, suddenly there's a score and a score and a score and more than myself, the satisfaction he had. Wow, that was really cool. And then, um, then I came here, so I'm here, I don't know how much you know of this, but I'm here at the first Arcade Fire. It's opening night, and the opening night, it started at nine o'clock, I think. And I played a game, we were tappers, and the game ended, and it was a really good score, but it wasn't, you know, big deal. 
and I, I said, okay. I go, all right, I go, I don't want to start again. And Casey goes, we need to start. Go, go ahead, play again. I go, yeah, but it's kind of getting late. And she goes, no, 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 play again. <laughs> well, usually it's many starts before you get the one you want. So those many starts would burn up some of the clock. But she said, play, I go, okay. I hit the button and play. And fortunately, it was the first shot that the game was off and running. And I'm playing, and I'm playing, and it's like, wow, wow. That's the way things happen. You even wow in your own head although you don't tell people. And usually, there's, as the score gets going, there's usually people that gather behind you and there's nobody behind me. There's like two people. And I thought, I thought, wow, what's going on here? And, but I just keep playing. And little did I know that the bartender had taken it on Twitch, or excuse me, the manager had taken it on Twitch and put it on all the TVs in the place. So the place is busy and everybody's sitting there staring at the screen drinking beer like they're watching a basketball game. That's why they're not standing behind me, because they don't have to. And so I'm playing, and the score's higher and higher. And I'm like, wow. And finally, the thought comes to my head. I, I had a score that I wanted to target, a score that somebody thought I didn't get, I couldn't get, I wouldn't get, I can't get, I'll never get. Give me a break. Some of the jerks who said that had watched me get those scores in the past. But that's okay. So I said to Casey, I, I called her over, and I go, stand right here. And I go, don't let me go over a million forty-seven thousand. Why not? I go, don't. She goes, okay. And I'm playing, and I'm playing, and I'm playing. So I don't look at the score. You look at the screen. You look at the score after the screen. And she's telling me what the score is. And then finally it hits that score. And then I let it die. I watched it die. And uh, she didn't tell you this part. We flip over the control panel because we verify the controls as authentic. Then we pull the machine out and we film the board to verify the board is authentic. Then we push it all back and well, everybody's on stream with silly congratulations. And when you, as that score gets nearer, the viewership skyrockets. Then everybody from the bar came over and wanted to shake hands or hug or selfies and congratulate and that and it's very appreciated it is and suddenly we realize that it's like 10 minutes to nine the musical starts at nine <laughs> the cast members are in tappers okay um scripts equipment stuff that's needed files are in the trunk of the car and we're about 15 minutes away so we all run outside in a panic to meet uh Stacy's partner, which is Topher, and he's walking around. He's walking, oh my God. And I thought, you thought there was somebody who's kind of challenged walking around, having a hard time? Like, what's wrong with him? He tells her what's wrong. Suddenly she's walking around, looking at the ground like this. And as she's looking at the ground, I mean, I just thought there was like, I'm waiting for the next person or some kind of fever catching. Suddenly, she reaches down, finds exactly what she's looking for. She picks up a brick and throws it through the window of the car, opens the door, pops the trunk, and gets the keys out of the trunk that are needed. And so you see a couple of crazy people that should be in Texas Chainsaw Massacre walking around. You don't know what's going on. Now they're throwing brick, bricks and busting windows. They go, get in the car. Everybody just bustled in the car. Uh, we don't know where. <laughs> And you're there, and you're sitting on shards of glass, and you're wondering what's going on. And um, so we drive, we get there, and then you get out, and you're 
running up the stairs, knocking all the glass off you, and the whole place is full, and everybody races on stage, and the play starts a few minutes late, but it was the last play of the night, so you kind of got away with it. And um, so, uh, remember I went back to where I said, everything's kind of got growing pains? Mm -hmm. well, that was one of the growing pains we had. We still have that brick, and we're gonna do some kind of special feature one day with that, but um, going back to the story. So with my son, as he put together the Twitch and the other ideas he has, he has a Discord channel. All of this has grown to this point because of him. So when you spoke about my son and his business involvement, um, yeah, he controls that part um, pretty much completely. If I argue with him, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. And, um, and uh, so, yeah, he's involved to that part and he's the one that gets credit for all that. I just gotta sit down and play and Sometimes I do it right, and sometimes I don't do it well enough, and sometimes I do my job, and sometimes I don't. Sounds about like me, except it's usually don't, 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 don't. Go. Get lucky once. Good. Yeah, good. good. Yeah. Go. Yeah, pretend like you know what you're doing. That's right. And get away with it. That's right. Yeah. What do you see as the future in things such as Twitch? Um... Well, it's hard to argue with the success. Every time, as video games have evolved, as we spoke, every time they evolve, I just scratch my head and I say, what could possibly be next? There's nothing. It has to just be stagnant for a while. But of course it doesn't. Um, it's hard to argue with the success, the interest. I can see where more and more places, like we spoke of how that was done at Tappers, how more and more places take an interest in that. Um, I think you'll, you'll begin going to um, places where it's just regularly streamed on TV. No different than, um, you know, there's boxing on Thursday night or whatever there is. And I can definitely see that. And I guess I can see a little bit of fight between, there's people who would do anything in the world other than sit there and watch um, Ninja, who's very accomplished, you know, or um, Justin Wong, who's very accomplished. There's people who would want to do any, watch anything but that. There's people of our era who would want to rather sit there and watch somebody playing Miss Pac-Man or something, but that's the beauty of it. Not everybody likes the same sport. Some people like professional versus college or vice versa. And, so I think it may evolve that way. I guess I hope it does. I'm thinking of positive ways that it evolves. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be wrong when I sit here and say, I hope it's not the virtual reality stuff. That's just too wacky. But you watch. I'll be wrong. Um, so I, I don't want to say that. Well, they're making strides. Yeah, it's... I feel like that was hot for like this one-year stretch, and it's kind of toned down a little bit. Right. Uh, yeah. And so the old thing is, what do you, how do you feel about virtual reality? I haven't done it. You haven't done it? <laughs> no. I don't have any desire to do it. I mean, um, going back to my son or anybody who, the guys right upstairs here who are sitting there playing the home consoles, even though they're not at home, sit there and watch them with it in their hand. I mean, count. I counted my son play. He's really good. I count him playing, and I counted him using like nine fingers. Okay, back in the day, what game did you play? Tell me. 
Uh, I play Gauntlet more than anything. Okay, Gauntlet had a joystick and a button. Yeah. Um, how are you going to play with nine fingers? That just isn't going to happen. <laughs> so there's reasons why. Maybe it's a lack of confidence that I, I never stepped that way. Um, maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe I thought somehow the older games would come back. And, of course, they were gone completely for a while. And they have made a comeback. And, and that's a lot of fun. So, Well, there's a certain... It's not nostalgia, I don't think. I think it's, it's more... Uh, a, I don't know if purity is the right word, mm -hmm. but there's a, a, a maybe simplicity in, in, in presentation, a, a vibrancy that you get because they had less to work with. The, the number of pixels that you could that you could use was so much smaller. Mm -hmm. You had to do more with less, and you were able to still get that kind of uh, an impression on, on the person playing the game with, with that and not have to have something that approached reality. Yeah, it was... Um like they used to say, um, or they don't used to say, I, I have said that the truth of the matter is that games of yesterday, because they didn't have the same technology, because they didn't have the same graphics, um, they had to have more depth or more thought or they told a story or um, they had more creativity. And when I'm in a bad mood now and I compare it to today, I say today, Jump, punch, kick, fight, shoot, jump. I mean, but the fact of the matter is that there's just no, no arguing with the fact that you can, a game today, the technology, the graphics are so powerful, they can get by on their looks. I mean, they can, and the way I describe it is, there's, they get by on their looks if they have to, games of yesterday had to get by on a whole lot more. Some people can get by on their looks. Some people have to get by on a whole lot more. It's, it's just the world we live in, whether it's right or wrong. So, I, had, I have to admit, I was, I was mildly concerned for a moment. I thought there was going to be a dating analogy coming there. <laughs> and I, I, would, I was going to have to say, yes, and moving on to the next yeah, topic. Yeah. We're going to... Uh, well, I'll, I'll skip that part. <laughs> I, or, 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 or I'll give you that insight that'll help you when the mic's off. Oh, perfect, perfect. I, I think exactly what you're talking about is, to a smaller extent, we see now if you go to Target, Walmart, or wherever, you can buy a Nintendo and you can buy a Sega Genesis. They, have, they come with 30, 40, 50 games because people like that style. Like, they, they don't need, they don't want these games that just do so many things and you can play 100, 200 hours worth in that game. Mm -hmm. They like those. I, I think I think a lot of those classic styles are coming, like you said, that they're coming back. They're still just as relevant now as they might have even been years ago. Right. Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. And um, it's, things continually evolve. And I guess guys like me hope they evolve backwards a little bit. And, <laughs> you know, maybe they do to, or at least they're finding a way to reach more people in our group, in our age group, or in our experience. Whereas, and they enjoy it, but they just weren't being reached. So therefore, it seemed like almost nobody was interested. But now that you've been able to reach them, you see, no, there is a fair amount of people interested. Um, obviously, in the young world, um, vast majority of people are interested, it seems. Um, what can I say? I, 
if I was a parent, I would wish my kid was not that interested. So my daughters would play for a little while, just a little while, and they'd run off and do something else. They got bored. That was perfect. My son was obsessive, continuous, all hours, nonstop. And so many times the answer was, I'm just going to take it from him. Um, and I never did. And got, I got so upset at times. Um, you know, it's 1130 at night and I'm in there and I'd stand over him. After this round, it's going off. And I'd stand there. Sometimes I'd sit there. It took too long. Mm. He's good. And um, there were times when I woke up in the middle of the night and he was playing. But if I give equal credit, because I'd like to end the story right there. But if I give equal credit, when he graduated, I, I never took his games once. Because when he graduated, he graduated with a 4.9. It's impressive. So when I talk to kids at conventions, I say to them, you want to take your parents' authority away? You come home with a 4.9. You actually take their authority away. I mean, he would do his homework in the car like a maniac. He'd get home and he'd do his homework. He'd cover everything. And then he'd go and do what he wanted to do. And I... It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> Did, he, he played uh, sports. Yeah, he was... Uh, I mean, an extreme, extreme athlete. Um, and he worked out at a facility where it was not uncommon that he was next to Pelagico, Palaxico Burgess or um, Wex Welker, different people, because they gravitate to South Florida because of the weather in the off-season workout. And um, yeah, and he did it year-round. He was at one point, in, or just before going off to college, he was the number two ranked kicker in the country and the number seven ranked receiver. And so you take those grades and that hard work in sports and put them together and it's almost an open ticket. So. Where, where do you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so let's, uh, let's shift gears just slightly because I, I know I've had some friends that wanted me to ask uh, uh, this particular potentially mildly sensitive subject, but mildly sensitive. Mildly sensitive. It, I'm, always, I'm trying to work into it. Always here. make sure you know what you're asking because uh, I give tough interviews. Well, no, mm. absolutely, and that's why I'm going to ask it in a very open way uh, because in other I, words, I, in other words, you're asking a question <laughs> that you're not familiar with, you don't have the answer to, and you haven't yes. done any research. Correct. This is not journalism. No. We'll gossip for a moment. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, the, recently, there's been a lot of news uh, over the last uh, year talking about specifically your interactions back and forth with Twin Galaxies. No. And, just a little bit. Just a little no. bit. But I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, it, I, I just found out about it. Yeah. But uh, so... What do you think? What do you think is going to be the the outcome of all of this? I mean, you've you've definitely shown that you are capable, obviously, of hitting the scores. Some people some people would argue with you. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's some people that say I still didn't do it. <laughs> How do you think this is all going to play out? Do you think this is all just going to? As a matter of fact, one was really fun because uh, the guy said, you know, there were three scores in question. One that they 
gave up on. Of course, you don't know why they gave up on it. The other two, they didn't give up on. And so I thought three scores in a 36-year career. Hmm, okay. So like we said, my son set up the Twitch. I did three one million point scores because that's what they were. So, 36 year career. It's kind of cool because what I did was I did three one million point scores in one week. You would think that would raise your eyebrows anyway. Most people, to be honest, I did get some nice messages. I got some apologies. And apologies aren't necessary. I told you I'm not that sensitive. But they were, they, they were kindly intended. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just went quiet, and that's fine too. That in itself is an acknowledgement. <laughs> and there's some that just keep coming. So um, then I told you the fun we had here with the million forty-seven and the brick to be added. Um, and then when I got back at another place called Glitch, as in Twitch, but Glitch, mm -hmm. um, the other score that they were unhappy about was a million fifty. And uh, so once again, I said, don't let me go over a million fifty. And so that one ended. It was kind of cool because when I said that, don't let me go over, I, I mean, I had not only did I have the guy I was on, I had another guy. So we had to play silly and we ended it on a million fifty. And I had a lot of, I found a lot of humor in it because somebody said whatever stupid thing they said online. And one of the people who I've attended his event a lot, he goes, he's typing, and he types, dude, he did it three times, then he did it at an event live, then he did it at another event live, what do you want him to do, come to your house and do it? <laughs> and another guy typed in, yeah, what's your address? <laughs> and, you know, I have to realize that there's certain people that will never be satisfied. Never. Yeah. Never. And quite honestly, that's... Um, that's really, really sad. I mean, there's people who all day long, and not just me, but we'll use me as the example, all day long, every day, that is, they're on their computer and they do nothing but obsess over me. I mean, I could, there's complimentary people like that, there is. Um, and I could, I guess, find um, satisfaction in that or appreciation um, but there's people who do it out of nothing but anger and hate and jealousy and if anything anything and I mean anything even God religion obsesses you that much that's sad I don't know what to say um, I we're here we're supporting what we're supporting we're raising a little money for a good cause, and news of it went out. And I got two different ones that I've gotten before that were hateful. I don't really know what to say to those people. Um, I can't help them, only God can help them. I hope he does, but I, I don't know what to say to them. But you're asking about the future of Twin Galaxies. Um, I believe the time will come where Twin Galaxies will not any longer track any coin-op games. Um, they'll do what they do in the eSports world. Um, that's provided they survive the investigation that has recently begun. 
um, that I don't, that I choose not to know anything about. I choose not to know about the fact that there's $27 million missing or embezzled. I choose not to know anything about players, which are employees, who weren't paid all going all the way back to August. I mean, I've had good news in business and I've had bad news in business. And my God, I mean, to not pay an employee, that is unbelievable. That's an individual, that's sometimes an individual with a wife, sometimes an individual with a kid, and you don't pay them? It doesn't matter how sorry the landlord feels for him. The landlord does what the landlord does. That's unbelievable. I mean, I've had businesses that didn't go well, and man, when I closed the door and I had paid every employee, oh man, that felt good. That's unbelievable. But whether it, if there's any truth to that, um, I don't even want to talk about that. If um, the idea that, you know, there's bots that are creating hits to deceive people, to draw in, draw in people, to draw in investors, really that's deceiving or stealing money, I would hate to believe that's true. So literally, you could call me ignorant or I put my head in the sand. I actually choose not to know about that. I suppose I'll know when the investigations are done, but provided they survive that, they'll eventually do what they do in the esports world. Um, they won't do anything else with the coin-op world. Um, they don't make money off it, so they don't care to do anything with it. And uh, that's in a written form that I saw that, so I would tend to believe that. Mm. And they, at one point, under Walter Day, the founder, they had 100% of the scores in Guinness went through Twin Galaxies. It was the only authority, 100%. And last year's was less than 10. That's what I mean, it'll go to zero. And you could be angry about it or you could say it's the evolution of games. It is the evolution. Um, and that was a choice made by somebody other than me, that's for sure. Hmm. Does the fifth million point game feel as good as the first million point game? Yeah. Each one has a, each score I'm doing has a targeted reason. It's all fun. It's 99% fun. But there's a little vindiction in there. Yeah, there is. I'm really good at being honest, and that's my honesty to you. Each one has a message. And each time I do it, I don't say the message, but there's at least one person on each one that knows exactly where that message is going. But I really, really, I say never, and I don't want to say never because I'm not perfect, but I don't really get involved in negative. I always speak positive. Um, I have a personality on camera or at showtime or it's showboating that shows one thing, but in the real world, I don't embrace negative. If you're negative, I just don't want you around me because yes, it'll hurt me. And uh, so I, but I won't lie to you, there's that little bit of vindiction that sends a message to different individuals, usually one at a time too. But it's really cool. I can't, I've come to the realization, suddenly I, I can say it, better than I ever did, but to personify 
um, a character or a personality when we do interviews or not gossip like this, mm. but interviews, um, shows, um, movies, and to show that person, but then to go to an event, a convention, a gathering, anything like here, and meet people and show the other side, to show that contrast and sort of knock people off balance, I mean, that's really cool. I really, really like to do that. You know, when that person walks up to you and they're real timid, like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to bother you. And I say, what do you think I'm here for? You know, when you startle them, but then you bring them over and you put your arm around them. You go, no, of course, no, no, you're not bothering me. Oh, well, you're playing a game. No, I'm not. I'm here to talk to people. Come on. And to show those extremes and knock people off their feet, that's actually really cool. I, I get a kick out of that. So That's kind of theater in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Well, so um, I think uh, unless you've got something that I missed, I think I covered all the points that I really wanted to. Come on, there... I mean, you don't have more. Uh, well, we've we... an illustrious career here. There's a well, there's a lot of stuff going. There's on. definitely that, but uh, you know, I, I sometimes think that uh, occasionally uh, I tend to rattle. I'll let you rattle if you've got something else you want to bring to me. Some really awesome. Oh, that is it's true. You reminded me. There was one thing I completely forgot. See, I you, was... you don't realize how much I help you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you for for the amount of time you've been doing this. There has to be, with the level of uh, fame you've achieved. It grants certain access to be party to things that you wouldn't normally be uh, party to as uh, an average person. Is there a story, is there something that you just think is kind of the neatest thing because of what you do that you've been able to either take part in something you wouldn't normally think you would take part in or meet somebody you didn't think you'd ever be able to meet? Something that just kind of uh, tickled you to be a part of. Okay, I could. I could give you those examples and it would be far longer than the interview to this point. <laughs> so let me see how fast I can rattle. And I'll say it in character because it's a lot more interesting. We were upstairs for this interview and it's noisy. Yes. And I said, this will be okay? Well, I think it'll be okay. Well, if you'd rather do it in the basement where it's quieter, I says, we could do that. Well, I don't know if uh, I said, I'm Billy Mitchell. They're not going to tell me no. That's why I'm here. And I said, but go check it before I bother him. You checked it, you said it's good. I went over it. the guy said, anything you want. Yes, that happens to me. It happens every single day of my life. But by the same token, if you read into what I told you is, I didn't want to bother them, ask them for a favor, or put them out for nothing. I wanted you to say that it's right for what we're doing. Then I went and I asked them, of course he could have said no, and if he said no, I would have said okay without any expression whatsoever because he would have had a reason to say no. Maybe there was some valuable stuff down here or something. And um, so the fact is it happens every single day of my life, but I know how to handle it and deal with it. Again, if he said no, we're on terrific terms. If he said no, there's a strong reason why he said no, not because he was grouchy. So I know how to handle it. When I go to the airport and there's somebody there, um, I don't even want to say who. When I go through and they're not supposed to A, B, and C, but they do because they know me, it's because they know me. They've dealt with me. They've had good news and good reaction and respect with me. Therefore, they grant me respect. 
if you want to be given respect, okay, you have to first give forth respect. And I've been around the block. Um, I used to have a joke um, with a friend, some people that I came to know at TWA as we go back in time. I used to say to them, I used to say, you don't have to put me in first class. I says, I says I'll be happy to sit and coach. You just got to show me where it is. That was the joke I had because they always put me in first class. Um, but um, when I go to a show, when I go to a show, even a show that I'm appearing in, I walk in, I go up to the box office, and I try to buy a ticket. Sometimes I buy a ticket. I'm supporting the show that's supporting me or bringing me to the show. Sometimes I get, get through and I paid for a ticket. Most of the time I get stopped. No, no, you don't let him pay for a ticket. Don't be stupid. But it's my way of showing them respect. Um, but there, it's, and I've gotten good at it to the point it becomes a joke. People say, um, you know, I'll say, oh, okay, I got this here. And Walter or somebody else, another player will say, oh, well, I, I tried to get that. I, I didn't get it. I go, well, you're not Billy Mitchell. That's the old joke. You know, you're not Billy Mitchell. And it is a standard joke, but I do know how to take no when it's no. People can't give you something that's not available. They can't put you in a seat when all the seats are filled. Um, I have some people that I was hoping from Galloping Ghosts were going to come here. And I said, when you get here, I said, I'm going to make sure you get the executive treatment. So if two of them came here, I would have went up and attempted to buy two tickets for them. If I was able to buy them, then I'm buying the tickets that support the event. If I wasn't, I was trying, and because I'm supporting the event, they chose to give those people the free tickets. It's, it's a happy marriage. You can't simply expect people to do stuff for you if you don't lay the groundwork first. And, but a funny example is, Walter was flying from Cedar Rapids, to Atlanta. Screwball flight, but it was cheap. He went Cedar Rapids, Chicago, Chicago, Orlando, Atlanta. And I'm like, I says, man, that only happens to you. That's my line to him. That only happens to you. I'd, I'd get bumped the first class, he'd get bumped off a flight. So he was in Cedar Rapids, he flew to Chicago. He's going to the gate that says Orlando. All he has is his carry-on. And he goes past and he sees a flight leaving very soon, people have boarded, that's going from Chicago to Atlanta. And he goes to the lady, he goes, well, look at my ticket, I'm down there and I'm to Atlanta. He goes, can I get, the lady goes, no, you've got to go to, a, to Orlando first. And he goes, it would be a lot easier if there's a seat, if I could go there. She goes, why should I do that? And he says, because I'm Billy Mitchell. And son of a gun, the lady put him on the flight. <laughs> so he came to the convention, the first thing he said. So it's a standard joke. And the truth that it has is you simply give people respect and they give it back to you. That's, that's the real truth. Of course, in character, the truth is because I'm Billy Mitchell and you're not. <laughs> and um, some people would only hear the last line and they'd become unhappy. That's really sad. Yeah. There's a real truth behind it. So now, now I'll get up there and I'll go to do something and I'll say, I'll say, with my son, I'll say, oh, did you get that? He says, of course I got that, I'm Billy Mitchell. You know, when you went to buy something or whatever, and they had a special two for one. He goes, here, I got two of these. Oh, how come you got two? Because I'm Billy Mitchell. So he's dishing it back a little, so. 
that's funny. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a comic book story, fantasy, fairy tale life that much of this has been. It's it's really cool. Don't get us started on comic books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but again, I just want to thank you very much uh, for coming on to the show. We really appreciate taking the time to, to sit with us and to talk a little bit, just kind of have some fun. At least it was fun for me, anyway. So where's your next stop? Uh, next stop will be to the production room back in Bloomington, Indiana. You don't travel outside the area? Uh, we do. We're not currently outside the area. We'll be uh, traveling to... Uh, Shearville later in the year we're going to be in Ohio uh, we tend to hit con conventions that uh, associate with pop culture because March weekend of March 15th there's the Arcade Expo in Banning California that's the Museum of Pinball if you can imagine 700 pinballs under one roof and about 400 video games and that's where we're having the Kong off nice which is uh, well, this is Kong Off 7. It was something that was created with Richie Knuckles and myself back in the day, and it's just a fun thing. Will, will that be on Twitch? Yes, 100%. And uh, my son, along with other guys who've been helping, they got their hand in that, and I can spell Twitch and not much more. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'll be on Twitch. And he's, it's... The best players come together. There's new players that pop out of the woodwork, which is really cool. Um, and the thing is, two days of qualifying, just like March Madness, let's say, uh, top eight players, brackets, eight to four to two, you have two days to qualify with any score. But when it comes down to the brackets, it's one coin, one start. So just like football or baseball, one start, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. So, and the guy that's won too many times is my buddy upstairs, Robbie. He's, uh, you've met him and he represents the young blood in Donkey Kong. And we're thinking of like penalizing him because, I mean, he's younger than Donkey Kong. <laughs> he's born in 1986. The only reason why he, he has that beard is because he's too young to shave and he's trying to hide it. <laughs> no, he is. He's, he's a good guy. And, there, and there's a lot like him. There is. Um, it's kind of cool. It's crossing over one generation to the other. That's not what you would expect. So, that's it's fun. Yeah, so we'll be there. Well, excellent. Well, I think well, well, unless you've got any other things, uh, Twitch channel, oh, uh, yeah. anything like that that you want to you're, let you're, your, everybody know about. No. <laughs> okay. All right. To be honest, I don't plug things. I'm sure I don't have to plug things. You will anyway. Oh yeah. So the um, because it seems like a waste. It's Twitch. So you put in Twitch. Yeah. You say, oh, that guy Billy Mitchell. Well, you put it in. Well, the fact that I say Billy underscore Mitchell, you're not going to get there any faster. You're figured out anyway. Yeah. So people will say. So, what do you want to plug? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I want to plug Arcade Fire, don't I? <laughs> yeah. And other than that, uh, St. Jude's. How about that? Uh, there we go. Wounded Warriors. Always good. Always yeah. good. Well, uh, thank you again. And uh, until next time, uh, of course, you can always find us on our website, www.everybodylovesputting.com. We are 
at Pudding Guys on Facebook and at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. Uh, until next time, we will be seeing you. Thank you. Perfect.